All right, welcome guys. So today I'm sitting down with Chris Duffin and we're going to be talking about grand goals, deadlifting a thousand pounds for reps and just a lot of different things essentially regarding how you approach goals from a mental standpoint. So first off, Chris, I want to say thanks so much for jumping on the uh, podcast, man. It's great to have you here. For those people who don't maybe uh, know a whole lot about you, can you just give a brief introduction of who you are and some of the things you've been doing? Uh, yeah. So I am, uh, well, uh, that, that's, that's a lot loaded in that question for me. So uh, co-founder of Kabuki Strength, uh, make uh, uh, some of the best biomechanically sound barbells and training products uh, and educational systems around strength training in the world. Uh, co-founder of Barefoot, which is a minimalist shoe company and co-founder of Build Fast Formula, which is uh, my performance supplementation. Um, as a whole, that's uh, what I do currently is work as a visionary, uh, defining the long-term direction for those companies. And I'm known as a strength athlete, done some bunch of things there. I'm a best-selling author uh, with uh, The Eagle and the Dragon, which is kind of a life philosophy autobiography book. And my background is in uh, engineering and business management. So I used to do run, run and turn around aerospace automotive manufacturing companies, um, lectured on things of that nature. So a lot of different specialties, uh, physical therapy type rehab, uh, return to play, biomechanics, uh, all those kind of fall in my wheelhouse, as well as making amazing metal products. <laughs> So interesting mix uh, that I play in, um, but uh, uh, that's that's what I do. Is that's what I call myself a visionary. Is I have a lot of different connections to levels of expertise and different environments, and what I do is find the the common threads amongst those, and off of a principle based approach, uh, figure out how to bring new innovation and methodology and and uh, you know tools. To, to the world so that we can perform better. Yeah, that's, that's honestly been one of the really cool things uh, just since, I mean, I guess if, if anyone uh, who's listening doesn't necessarily know, like I am a coach for strength or for, sorry, for movie strength. So I've been with you guys for about six months now, I guess, officially. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's been really cool to kind of collab with some of the different coaches and just some of the different resources that you guys have access to, like even just the, uh, uh, I don't exactly know what the name is. The, the advisory board. Yes. All of the people. Yeah. yeah we, and, and that's been really, yeah, cool. we, we, we have like, yeah, on our advisory board, you know, arguably the best orthopedic surgeon, physical therapist, developmental kinesiologist, uh, chiropractors, like in th that there are, you know, and that's, that's, that's our network and it allows us, those are the people that, you know, we call text and have the ability to run ideas past and it, you know, expands beyond that. That's not, uh, that's just who we're choosing to publish right now. Um, but uh, we have a, a really, really cool mix of people that we have, you know, in our circle. Yeah. And that was really cool for me to, to get exposed to some new faces. Um, Cause I wasn't aware, like I knew probably like I'd say 50 or 60% of them, but then the other 40% I'd never heard of. And so it was really cool to just get exposed to new people, new information, uh, and just kind of learn a little bit more about them. So we'll, we'll kind of dive right into it. I guess just uh, starting with grand goals. So that was something you kind of set out to do a handful of years back, and you had some specifics for that. But where did you come up with that idea? Obviously, you've kind of been pursuing goals for, for a long time now, but what makes grand goals sort of unique? It was, it was three things. So it was, it came about during a time of my life that was very transitional. So this was essentially the time that I was walking away from that career that I had, that I told you about. I mean, I was sought after, I was a known expert for doing this stuff. I've been doing it for 20 years, dual engineering, MBA, and just still on top of that, a lot of experience to be able to do that. And so it's a little scary, you know, walking away from such a secure, high paying career to become an entrepreneur, right? And at the same time, I was making a lot of other transitions in my life. So I was in the process of stepping away from my marriage and figuring out how to manage my family uh, with a dual household and a lot of other things. And I had been competing 
powerlifting for 15, 16 years or something. And I've been ranked number eight in the world for like eight years straight. Been on and off, you know, chasing all-time world records with other folks and trying to uh, hit some big goals there. And and I decided that I wasn't going to do that anymore. And what I, it, it came down to understanding, you know, for myself, you know, I've walked, I've, I've been up there, I've done it. And, you know, I proved that I've more than a, you know, an Instagram or YouTube lifter or whatever. And it really came down to doing things for the reason that I wanted to do them. And some of those things need to be tied more to what my like core values are. And that is around for the ones that are missing, like in there in the competitive area, and it was, was creativity. Uh, it was the ability to tie it to inspiration and helping others. And so it was, there's a bunch more than that in my, in my goals, but it's, or in my values, but those are the things that have derived and created the companies that, you know, in my life that I do is really just like, Focusing everything towards these like seven or eight, like true values and way that I want to live. And so here it is three things that grand goals were. Number one was to just walk the walk, to show people that the methodologies, the approach, the tools, that everything that I produce, you know, a lot of it is built around the number one priority in looking at and managing the body, which is ability to manage and control spinal position. And so what can I do? I can demonstrate that through two of the most basic movements around the squat, which is a core developmental, you know, process. That is something that everybody learns how to do able-bodied person in the developmental cycle during the first nine months of their life. It's fundamentally ingrained in our neurology. Number two, the deadlift, the ability to pick something up off the ground, something that again, any able-bodied person doesn't matter whether you're a strength athlete or not needs to develop resilience to be able to manage that and do it properly. And also to showcase doing it in two separate to show that hey, what I've learned and put in place isn't just because it is, I'm a specialist. I'm not a squat specialist. I'm not a deadlift specialist. I'm going to do both and do them both to a phenomenal level, demonstrating the ability to control and manage that torso stabilization. And so that's it. Like I'm going to put stuff in place and I'm going to show you, right? Um, number two in the grand is the other use of the word grand. So number one is defining it was going to be a thousand pounds for, you know, do it over the top, but the grand, the inspirational to show people just how far, like when I set out to do that, nobody was lifting those numbers. And yes, now there are, but nobody's doing both. And I would have been laughed at for saying that that's what I was going to do. Right. I, at the time I just said, I'm going to deadlift a thousand people. And there's a lot of, people, Oh yeah, whatever you know, there's only the only people that have ever done that are over 400 pounds. And there's just a couple of them. And, and, uh, but there was people that believed me and I didn't say that I was going to do it for reps. Um, but if I'd said the whole goal, I'd have been laughed at. So it was just like showing people that if you put your mind to it and you, you focus that, that as a human being, you're capable of so much more than you think is possible. So that piece of helping inspire people to help them watch the process and, and see, you know, the level of commitment, the emotion and everything that's involved in this process. And then the third is that giving back piece. And that was every, so this was a five year process. And over the course of it, I did the, the first deadlift uh, for, we'll call it three, three, three reps. I didn't lock out the third one. Um, but it came off the ground and, uh, was almost there. Uh, it still did it for reps. Right. So, um, in, uh, I think nine, it was either nine or 11 months after I started the training, cause I was a lot closer on the deadlift. And then there was another four years, uh, chasing the squat. So it was a lot of, with that, it was a lot more axial loading, uh, resilience and tolerance that I needed to build up. And so over the course of that, I did a lot of other feats of strength. And so with the, with the deadlift, as well as all of the feats of strength, 
along the way, they were charity fundraisers for things that I believe in, things that have had an impact on my life. Uh, so there was raising money for homeless mothers. Uh, I grew up homeless. There was raising money for uh, children of sexual abuse. Well, that's greatly affected uh, my family. I don't need to go into the details here, but you know, if you read my book, you'll find out some, some pretty crazy stories. And there was Special Olympics. So again, that's an area I believe in. Some of our staff members have, have uh, siblings or family uh, in that arena, and we coach uh, people in Special Olympics. And it's just really great to be able to see the impact that that has on their whole life Right. And so we did that. And then uh, uh, childhood cancer, because at the time of one of them, uh, my business partner, his grandson was uh, was battling uh, cancer. So so those are the three things. Like walk the walk and show the methods, show the equipment, show what it can deliver. Number two, the inspirational, the grand, the over the top. And number three is giving back, creating uh, awareness and, uh, you know, physical money contributions to causes I believe in and care about. I think I read your book maybe a little over two years ago, but maybe two years ago, some, somewhere around that timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was pretty surprised, but one of the things that I found interesting, both from your story and then also just kind of what you're saying right now is um, ambivalence is what derails people in a lot of cases. I mean, you mentioned hitting your squat goal. That was a four-year kind of progression after you hit the deadlift one, right? And within that time, and even, you know, leading up to that, I'm sure you have competing priorities and competing interests. And it it, it can become very difficult, especially as you're doing more to kind of prioritize your time effectively. And not only prioritize your time, but even just kind of keep... I don't know if I'd use the word passion, but keep whatever goals or desires, whatever you want to call that kind of in the forefront. And so how do you go about doing that? Like, because honestly, success in my opinion is, is like most people can't do that because they can't handle the monotony day in and day out for 10, 15, 20 years, you know, however long it takes to actually reach that. So, so how, how do you manage competing priorities and then also dealing with kind of ambivalence and, and the monotony of, uh, of just the day to day? Well, you know, the first start of that is really understanding what are the things that are driving you in life? Why do you want the things that you want? And really spending a lot of time on that introspective piece and understanding, hey, why do I want this career? Why do I want these financial goals? Why do I want these certain things, uh, physical things? Like why? And, uh, and really digging back until you understand those those root nuggets. So, so for me, if you, if you dig far enough and I like using the, the five why process, you know, come to a conclusion. Okay. That's why I want to be an NFL player. That's why I want the fancy house. That's why I want and dig deeper one layer. And then, and then just keep going until you get to this, this set where it's things that you can't necessarily have. There are things that you can always move towards. But for me to give some examples, uh, it would be, I need to have competition. I need to have challenge, right? All the things associated with, with, with that. There's a lot of different words that you could use. I need to have a creative outlet. Uh, I need to have some level of security. If you've read my backstory, you'll understand why I want to have security for my family. Um, it's uh, being, for me, having to, to be in a state of continual learning. It is, you know, always gathering new information, learning new things, exploring it via conversations or research. Uh, it is the sense of family. So and I use that sense very intentfully because you can have a family and not have a a sense of like an actual family and you can not have a family and still have a family. Like I'm sure you got that feeling when you were on site here uh, uh, recently, Daniel, like um, it, it. And so those are five, right. And, uh, and uh, another one is being able to 
to help people achieve, again, more than that they think is possible through either inspiration, mentoring, being able to have that kind of impact on people. So those, when I dig down, like those are the values in the way that I want to live. And so once I've got that, now you can start setting goals because it's really easy to look at the, whatever catches your eye at the time, whatever looks, you're watching some lifter, you're watching some, you know, person that you look up to and like, well, that's, I'm going to set a goal in that direction. And maybe it's aligned with, you know, these, these really deep seated things for you. Maybe it's not. And so we end up with like this bucket list type goals a lot of times for people, these fancy, shiny things that come and then they go. And if you have them in your life, they're distracting you from those things that are really important. And so this is a way of getting into that. Another is to, to not think about the balance, but to think about actually chasing them to the extreme. I call this the process of finding balance by the extremes. Because if you take these, you know, huge, massive things that of, of what you want to accomplish and how you want to live and you chase them, you'll find a lot of the other extraneous st- stuff has to fall away. So it forces you to make the decisions about that. And as you do that, you'll find that it doesn't become monotonous. You are able to pull that mix of those things back into and find how you create that in, in your life. Um, Training for, for example, I do see people get into this monotonous thing. I'm going to be a competitive lifter. And, and that's all they do is sit there and do training cycle after training cycle for one meet to the next and so on for two or three years, four years, and then they burn out and they, and they, and they leave not understanding that, it's not that next meet. It's not the next thing. It's a way of life that you're after. This is an opportunity for you to seek challenge, to, to push yourself to some of these, like I said, value type things. And if you do that, you'll do, you'll end up finding time through the year to have a break cycle, to have not time off, but to make sure that competitive is one way for you to articulate that goal. It isn't the end thing at the end of the day. It is the process that is. And so people often ask me about like these weird things. They'll see me. I mean, it's like, why are you doing one arm snatch? And they're trying to come up with these like ways that it's helping me to lift more or it's fitting into this training. Oh, you're so smart. You must have it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I I, I do that because it's fun. I enjoy it. And I have phases of training where you do that, you do it for the soul, right? And so you've got to have that, that mix in there when you focus too much on the wrong thing as the output and, and not understand that these are all ways for you to express, to express those values, right? And that will help you get out of, of that monotony because if you get so far into just looking at those those particular metrics and the grind and the other, it will eat you up and bear you down. But why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? Why do I, why do I want to be so focused on business? Well, I want to be so focused on business because I want to have a big impact on expressing my values in the world and in in the people that I work with and the people around me so that we have the culture and community and the things that align with that. So guess what? When that happens, I end up with attracting people that are interested in the same things, things that people I enjoy working with, people that become your friends, your family, and so on. And now, instead of this massive career-driven person, you have so much of like the other things happening while you're there. Right. So that's uh, expression. Think of it, expression of your values. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, even just knowing some of the literature on like sports psychology, a lot of the times you hear athletes kind of falling into depression after they retire, even if they were like extremely successful. And yeah, it, it's at least temporarily in part because there's a bit of a disassociation between their perception of self and 
like their, their values being a little bit disassociated from what they're actually doing. Right. So it's like, instead of seeing, Hey, my sport was a vehicle to express my values. Kind of like you're saying, yep. That kind of was that kind of definition of what themselves. Yeah. 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 And that can be taken away at any time. And that's why it's so important to do this. You don't know when on some random Sunday, a tag football game or a car out of nowhere is going to upheave your life and take those things away. You can't let that be the definition of yourself. I actually had a number of lifters when I uh, said I was stepping away from like, you're over. You're going to be nobody. <laughs> you're going to be irrelevant as soon as you quit competing. Like, Who the fuck okay. says that? That's so oh, I won't. brutal. <laughs> like, why would you uh, say that to someone? Because that's what they believed about themselves. I guess that's, yeah, I don't know. That, that's, that just seems ridiculous. I've never felt like a couple things that I've never understood, even so like I used to fight, I used to fight boxing and Muay Thai primarily. And like, one thing that always irks me is people booing athletes. It's like, you know what? Like it or not, this guy has the balls or girl, whatever, has, has the actual guts to go in there and fight another human being on live television. Like you should not be booing them. And so I, I yep. never understood that mentality. Um, all right. So, so one of the things that, uh, that I thought was interesting as well is just kind of even coming from your books, there, there were so many things that you kind of went through and you talked a lot about like self-exploration and some of the things that you had learned and how that kind of formed who you are right now and kind of the person or the direction that you're headed in as well. So what were some of like those kind of harsh realizations that you had to just kind of come to terms with about yourself that allowed you to kind of take that next step? You know, I, I mean, obviously you can be selective on how you answer that. I don't necessarily want to pry too much, but. Uh, yeah. I mean, one of the ones that really kind of pushed me that direction is realizing you know, so much of the, the life that I had built was to prove that I could be successful in, you know, growing up outside of the world. And in essence, I wanted to prove that I could, you know, have and be like a normal person and be successful and have a house with a white picket fence and a great job and, and just be living the American life. And so that realization that that wasn't my goal that was me wanting to show people that I could do that. And it wasn't me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm unconventional. And uh, so it was, that was one of the things that uh, allowed me to, to make that shift. That's awesome. That, that's definitely difficult uh, <laughs> because it, it, it kind of sounds a little bit like cliche, but at the same time, it, it's such a significant thing that's really, really kind of embedded into culture, right? Like mm -hmm. so much social inertia being like, hey, do this, do that. But it can be pretty tough to sometimes go against the grain, especially for even like, I mean, obviously your position being a little bit more of a public figure, obviously there's, you know, you're going to get haters. You're going to get people always kind of wanting you to do this and that. And I, I, I don't suspect that there is kind of a right thing to do that's going to appease everyone <laughs> either way oh there, there, there oh. there's definitely not yeah that was another that was another you know that it, especially over the last few years you know coming to terms is uh you know i i always wanted to be you know again growing up the way that i grew up you know you were laughed at you're derided you were looked down upon by nearly everyone even the people that you know sh technically shouldn't and yeah obviously that's had an impact on why I've chased success in so many different arenas. Like, Hey, you know, you can't look down on me if I am smarter than you, I'm stronger than you. I'm more successful than you. I, you know, and you just put it like, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, right there on the wall behind me, there's my Guinness world record. And over there's my like scientific achievement award and like numerous other things like, yeah a lot of that came from that deep rootedness, but as you learn, you can, you can't, you can't ever get to a point where you're going to make everybody happy, where there's always going to be people that find fault or not happy with, uh, uh, with you 
and can say negative things, negative, painful things. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter what you do or what level of success that you achieve. That's always going to happen. And so um, that's a, that's a hard thing, especially, you know, it being a public, a public figure that becomes more and more prevalent. Right. So um, I can't say that I'm not affected by that, but I certainly have learned how to, how to manage and look at that in the right perspective. So I wanted to hear a little bit more about kind of your philosophy on resiliency and sort of like leaning into fear and discomfort. I've, I've heard you talk on other podcasts and just even kind of in your book, there was this kind of underlying theme of just resiliency and like every challenge was sort of there to kind of take you to that next level. And yeah, I guess, just kind of, you know, talk on, on that and how that has helped you in your career, lifting relationships and so on. Yeah. It's something that uh, anybody in the gym knows, right? Progressive loading, you know, you go in, you lift a certain weight and you know, the next month, the next six months, the next year, you're going to continue to adapt and get stronger. Right. But we, we often don't think about that in those other perspectives of life. We're like, man, I want to find this, uh, you know, relationship that doesn't have any, any conflict that's completely comfortable. I want to have a, the same thing in my work environment. Like it's, it's good if it's all super peaceful and everything's calm. And uh, when I, when I make it big, I'm going to retire in the Caribbean on a beach and drink Mai Tais, right? Not realizing that that's the same thing as just not going to the gym. What happens? We start to atrophy. We start to get weak, right? And so, this is, this is everything. This is body, mind, and soul. In all those aspects, we need to have those challenges. We need to have, they're all opportunities. So now it doesn't mean that you, 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 you jump into everyone and never take a break and burn the candle at both ends. Absolutely not. That's the same thing as, you know, hitting daily doubles, you know, three-hour sessions and uh, a CrossFit seven days a week, right? Well, it's going to happen. You're not going to recover. You're going to be beat to beat up. You're going to be trashed. And this is, this is what we see, you know, when people do experience a lot of trauma and strife and burnout in life and they can't re re respond anymore. It's the same exact thing. They've overtrained, right? So, so it's ability of tackling those things. And then as it comes, you know, that you're going to be able the next time a challenge like that, or even at the next above that, you're going to be prepared to be able to take that on. So it means like if you're sitting there and you're thinking about maybe a, a, a difficult, you know, conversation with like your, your employee or your boss or a coworker or family member, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to, to step up and just go, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go have that. Right because that's going to be an opportunity for you to learn how to handle that because there's going to be more that come at you in life to be able to, it's not going to be fun. It won't be pleasant, but at the same time, you're probably going to come out and it's going to be better just like walking in and go, man, I dread freaking leg day. It's coming up and I'm just, man, I got a big session plan. I'm dreading it. Well, you come in and you do it and you walk away and what happens? You actually feel better, right? You, you accomplish something, you moved forward. And so it does have an immediate impact, but it also prepares you next time going, you know, I did pull that off. I can do that. I've got another one that was coming. I can take it on. In fact, I think I can take a little bit more, right? So it's progressive loading. I mean, it is, it is straight that simple, but balancing it with the time to recuperate. You've got to have recovery, but not too much, right? If you, if you recover for two weeks from your training session, and you have massive hard training sessions every two weeks, you're never going to make any gains because you missed the window. You missed the window when you were ready for more and you could apply and you didn't, right? So you missed that stair-stepping ladder. All you did is crush yourself every now and again. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I think a lot of that nuance is typically lost. I mean, even just looking on Instagram, you see kind of motivational posts like no days off, never give up this and that oh, yeah. like quitters this but it's like i mean whenever you're talking about a particular context it's like well sometimes you should actually throw in the towel like there are some people where it's like 
I've seen what they're doing and I'm like, you're not meant for this. You need to stop. You need to do something else. And, you know, but they're, they're clinging to these like, well, so-and-so did it. And he said, just believe, just believe, you know, and it's yeah. like, you're not going to Tony Robbins your way out of the situation. Like, no, I, right, I hate that. He's also right, but you need to be able to apply it to yourself. And exactly what you were saying, right. That, that whole graded exposure approach and just being like real with yourself about where you're at and where your abilities are. You know, I mean, a lot of guys, like I'm sure you've obviously heard like non-responders, right. And in, in research, right. Um, they'll do a study and uh, you know, they'll call individuals who didn't have a, a statistically significant um, response and a non-responder, but it's like, and so ever since that kind of came out, people have been like, Oh, I'm a hard gainer. Oh, I'm, I'm a non-responder. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude, like no one on this planet has a hard time getting fat. No one. It's like, Oh, you can't, you can't get big. Really? Come on, man. That's ridiculous. Like it might be harder for you than the next person, but like when I started lifting weights, I was 165 pounds. Now I'm 285, you know? And so it's like, if you want to get big and strong, get big and strong, you know? And, and I, I think sometimes people just like are too comfortable with where they're at. And then they just kind of sort of adopt whatever philosophy is like, allows them to kind of perpetuate their, their, I don't know, whatever nonsense they have in their head, whether it's detrimental or it's productive, right? Like, so. Absolutely. And uh, on that first point, like the knowing when to throw in the towel, I guess, or like those people, people don't realize they make their living on giving you hustle porn on the, the push the grind mentality. That's where they make their living on. And just sitting out there pumping motivational messages that are only short-term in nature are going to have an effect isn't going to give you the long-term, you know, piece that you really need to have to keep you motivated during those periods of time. But it's also just really bad to just be like, you just got to outwork everybody. You got to, you got to be, you know, it's the same thing, just burning that candle and you're going to burn yourself out too. Like you really need to understand why you're doing this stuff. And, and uh, yeah, you do got to work hard. You got to work harder than you probably think, but let, you know, just working hard, isn't going to get you there either. And you've got to have time to, to recover. You've got to have the things in your life that allow you that space and that time. So, and everybody, this is not, I mean, when I say, when I say this stuff, and body, mind, and soul, and all that, like, I'm not reaching. This is physiology. And this is an analogy I've been using lately is uh, the tree in the biosphere. If you, if you grow a tree in a biosphere, it reaches a certain height, and then it just falls over. doesn't matter what kind of tree. It'll just grow to a certain height. They'll just fall over. And the reason is they don't have any wind. Took them a long time to figure this out, but the wind actually says, "Hey, you need to get, grow some strong roots and deep, grow them deep and wide and seat and build this resilience. You need to toughen your outer shell and prepared for the elements. You need to, and if you don't do that, the tree kills itself. This isn't just human physiology. This is basic life and death of any living thing. Is that we respond to." Our environment and so it's like oh yeah in lifting we use you know fancy terms like a specific a adaptation to impose demands yeah that's what it is and it affects all parts of our life and so as a you talked about people you know trying to find you know finding comfort and just not getting out of the roof a hundred percent i'd say 80 plus percent of people in north america today that's exactly, we are, we are growing people to be consumers, to be fed, to be fed food, to be fed, you know, content coming through our phones and our computers and just like to satiate to us to, and it's not the things that are actually going to allow us to grow. Just putting that tree in the biosphere in the perfect, comfortable environment and feeding it all the nutrients and water that it needs, it dies. Yeah, it's, it's, and I mean, 
you know, you, you want to make a muscle grow, obviously you have to apply some tension, right? So it, it's funny too, just to kind of go back to what you were saying before about the whole hustle porn thing. A lot of that is survivorship bias as well, right? Like, because realistically, you talk to any person who's really successful and what are they going to say? They're going to be like, no one believed in me. I hustled hard. And after X amount of time, I finally made it. And it's like, oh my God, that could be me. And it's like, well, that's going to be every person who makes it. But then there's also like 99.999% of people who also did that, who didn't make it, right? And it's kind of like the equivalent of looking at the the Bulgarian system and being like, well, these guys made it and they maxed out every day. And it's like, yeah, but people literally died doing that type of training. Like they literally died, you know? And, uh, and, and so it's, it's definitely like survivorship bias. And um, yeah, I mean, you also, but it, and it comes down to that basic principle it, that we all have different abilities to tolerate yeah. those stresses. We all are going to grow stronger as a result if we apply the principles, but not all of us, if we do that, are going to be a pro athlete. And it's the same yeah. thing in life because you go to a pro athlete and they'll tell you the same thing. Well, but not everybody has the ability to recover from those same demands. So that's we're understanding the principles still work, right? You need to do this stuff, but you need to temper your expectations based on what your ability, your, your own own individual abilities and responses are, but you're going to get better 100%. You can become yeah. more resilient 100%. Yeah. I don't remember where I heard this from, but so, there, there was a quote that I remember where it's like, before you climb the ladder of success, make sure it's leaned up against the right building or something like that. And I, I think that's really applicable to the conversation here because I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 183 centimeters or like uh six like six six two something like that six one six two and so like i'm a pretty tall guy but i would be like a pipsqueak in the nba you know so i'm i'm not going to the nba <laughs> you know i'm under no illusion that i'm going to the nba and i think sometimes when you look at sports it's fairly easy to see how you might not fit in you know if you're a five four 125 pound dude you're probably not going to be like a running back or a linebacker or something like that um you know in, in the nfl but at the same time, people will maybe misapply their skill sets in the workforce, or they'll try and kind of find a partner who probably isn't necessarily a good fit for their, I don't know, their, uh, their temperament or, or something like that, right? And so it's like this kind of balance between like, what do I want? What am I pursuing? And then always having to have some sort of like feedback mechanism of like, you know, hey, is this working? You know? So actually, I guess that would be a, something pretty interesting for, for you to answer yourself. Like, how do you identify whether or not that process is working for you? You know, like, let's say you're pursuing a goal, you're trying things, obviously you're going to be failing a lot. How do you know whether or not you should just scrap it or just kind of keep tinkering, if that makes sense, and, and keep persisting? Uh, that is uh, something that's going to just take a whole lot of nuance because the, you know, the individual goals, the, the type of environment that you're working in, I don't know that there is any set, you know, here's exactly how you're going to know. Um, but having the process of continually evaluating and making adjustments. And as long as you're moving the needle, you, you should be continue moving forward. But a lot of people miss the ground and having key measurables anytime that they're, they're attacking projects or some goal and it's not the end objective it's what are the things that along the ways along the way that are going to move that right it's not um, hey uh my goal is to get a new job well i wake up today i don't have a new job i'm unsuccessful it's hey this week my goal is to reach out to five new people and submit x you know, resume and, and it's like, am I adhering? Am I making progress on this? Um, and <clears throat> once you're, you know, able to measure those identifiers and see whether you're moving forward, backward, what fits, you know, with what you can actually accomplish, um, because that's where you're going to start finding the gaps. And usually that's where your gap is in, in accomplishing a goal is whether, whether it, it, it truly 
fits your life, like, and the other competing priorities. So let's say you're trying to lose weight, right? And, and you're going, well, I need to do XX type of diet. And that's highly restrictive, requires a lot of prep and maintenance. Well, you should be tracking what you need to do to pull that off and not looking at the scale necessarily every day, but your measurables should be, what is my adherence to the plan that I need? And now I missed, why did I miss? And then you'll start saying, oh, well, I don't have the time or opportunity to do this to prepare. And then you'll start going, hey, well, this approach isn't working for me uh, because I'm not going to be able to hold to this diet. Maybe I need to maybe I need to pick an approach that is a little less uh, aggressive. Maybe I don't need to go full keto carnivore and uh, because I don't have the time to prepare all my meals. So I'm going to have eat out and I'm not going to be able to, you know, you know, do whatever it is. And uh, so it's really allows you to find the right plan and seeing what those gaps are for your ability to adhere to your plan to accomplish a goal. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the important things you pointed out too um, was finding those like sort of small indicators, those sort of keystone habits that if you do those and you just kind of keep banging away at them every single day. Um, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of that. I do a lot of that sort of things with, with uh, a lot of my athletes from a behavioral standpoint, because I feel like if you can put a metric on adherence, it makes it a whole lot easier to understand. So for instance, like even you were talking about with your diet, right? If I can show you like, hey, you've only hit your macro targets 30% of the time you're going to know why you're not losing weight or gaining weight or whatever you're yeah, yeah. And so, so clarity. And, around and so then, and then what that helps you do is go, if it's a priority that I actually need to, then it, I, some other things are in life are going to have to change. Right. So that I can adhere to this plan or I need to stick, create a different plan. That's going to have a different out, uh, a slightly different output that will fit within those other priorities that are, that are affecting me. Because that's what's that's what's going to get you there or not. Typically, we're not setting some pie in the high crazy thing that is just completely on. You know, people have done it; they've gotten there. So you know that it can be done. But again, does it fit within your structure and your priorities? Like, hey, if it's a priority for you every Friday and Saturday night to go out with the boys and have pizza and drink a bunch of beers, you're probably going to have a problem with maintaining that diet, right? <laughs> uh, and so either, and if you're not willing to change that, then you need to restructure, you know, and, and, and look at, you know, what is something that can fit in place that fits within that, right? And so it's measuring adherence is really great in helping you understand whether you're actually going to be able to set a plan that can help you achieve the target. Yeah, and honestly, one of the additional kind of benefits of that that I found is, it gives you a sense of success because like, you know, let's say hypothetically your goal is to squat, I don't know, 400 pounds or something like that. And mm -hmm. you're currently at 200. That's a long ways away, or it could be a long way. Oh away. man. It's you put those big gnarly. That's the thing. When you put big, crazy goals out there, the it's so far out there that it's so it's insurmountable it is insurmountable. And if you like, look at the story of my life, anybody that's followed that, like think back and go, you know, where I would like saying where I went from one point to another, looking, looking up that would be just impossible. But when we're looking at adherence and you're looking at what step do I need to put in front of myself today, tomorrow, next week, you can do that. That's realistic. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I find it definitely builds up like character as well, because then you, you go through it and you're like, Hey, you know what? Because I don't know, like everyone goes through times where they're kind of down. Like I, I literally, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I literally had a client, actually it was like two, two clients come to me and they're like, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated with my training. Like I'm not seeing any progress. And I was like, 
literally two days ago, you hit a 40 pound PR on your squat. <laughs> and we've been working together. We've been working together for like four months. Like, what are you talking about? And then the other one had hit like a, a 15 kilo PR on her deadlift in the last, like, uh, I think two months. And I was just like, what are you talking uh, about? And so like a lot of the times our frame of reference is just wrong, you know, whereas yeah. if, if you have something like that, you can kind of give yourself these little wins and when you do feel down, you can just look back at them and be like, you know what? No matter what I feel right now, I know that this piece of paper is, is more honest than my feelings at the moment. And I, I found that to be extremely helpful for myself um, and also just for my athletes to kind of put them in check every now and then because like you do. Like we're, we're human beings. We have shit going on like outside with your relationships, with your work. And sometimes it kind of bleeds together, right? Actually, it always kind of bleeds yep. together. So um one of the things that I did want to kind of get your perspective on was what you attributed most of your success to. Like, obviously, it's not going to be a single thing, but let's just say generally, um, you know, here are some of the identifiable characteristics or identifiable things that really stand out to me as being my biggest strengths that have really helped me kind of persist and accomplish what I have. Um. confidence believing that I can if I set my mind to it that I can pull it off that is been with me for a really long time and just knowing that even if I fail I can figure out how to come back from that and just having that that tremendous confidence in yourself and that confidence comes from getting wins People, well, how do I get that? I don't have it. Well, you got to start finding the things that you can win at. And the more that you stack up, the more that you're going to go, ah, I can't overcome this. And, and just because you failed once, like, doesn't mean it's a failure. Like, hey, I can come back around. And that proves to yourself again. The other is just, I'm passionate. I am, if I go into things, I am just, I want to live and breathe passion. And that is something, uh, my, 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 I've, you know, my whole life, uh, I've been that way. And anybody that follows me can see that, you know, this is, I, I'm, I'm not out there creating and doing things to sell and make a buck. Like it is because I truly believe in doing the things that I want to and how I want to impact the world. And, and uh, when you've got passion, man, that uh, that can drive you through some some hard times and the things that you need to to uh, to pull things off. And the last one is, I think my creativity is I, uh, you know, I'm bipolar. I got ADHD. And, you know, one of the traits that comes with that, though, is despite your inability to focus in the moment, uh, you know, you, you forget like last last night, I, I went downstairs to do two things. I come back upstairs and I'd done three other things, but I forgot the two damn things I went downstairs for. That's like a regular thing for me because you're less in the, the moment with your memory and other things. Uh, it, I have this ability to, take a step back and see a bigger picture of connectedness. And that's where I talk about principles and, and other things is like seeing these connections and being able to make them between these seemingly completely different, you know, fields that, uh, that I, that I work in, you know, being able, the fact that freaking uh, I lectured in colleges on physical therapy, on rehab at chiropractic schools, but also, on in, in business and engineering and, and uh, so many other facets that you see all that come together and come with training and nutraceuticals and, and, and you start seeing the, the mix of things. Like it's just like the stuff that I do with blood flow restriction and training and then how that combines with vaso blitz and then some of the tool like it, it's all it's all mixed together and people wouldn't see a lot of those connections uh and that's uh, that's what i do so those are probably the three biggest things that uh that creativity and larger kind of pullback look um a passion 
And uh, uh, what was the first one I mentioned? Shit. Confidence. Was the most important. Confidence. That's right. Uh, yeah, I, I'm confident. <laughs> what can I say? I think you have to be, but you can develop confidence. That's the thing. Like I was very, anybody reads my story, you'll find that, you know, I, I did not have a lot of confidence when I was younger for a lot of reasons, but there was a time, like I also had to do a lot of things, you know, it's like, Oh, I've got to erect a tent. I've got to build a structure. I've got to figure out how to cook. I've got to start a fire. I've got to chop, you know, physical, just doing things started building. Like I can do shit. I can learn shit. I can get and that just started building on itself. So I went from, you know, that, you start stacking that stuff up and it's the one thing to the next, right? Progressive loading. And it just got to this point where I believe that I could, I could pull off something if I set my mind to it. If I freaking say I'm going to squat a thousand pounds and deadlift a thousand pounds, I can fucking do it. I'm going to do it. Even though it's impossible. Yeah. And I think there's a big difference too, between like cockiness and earned confidence, right? Like, you know, I know a lot of people hate Floyd Mayweather, um, who, you know, anyone who doesn't know who he is, one, I'm surprised, but he's, uh, he's, he's uh, a really, really elite boxer. He retired 50 and 0, never, never beaten, never even dropped once in a round. Uh, super, super impressive fighter. And everyone hates him because he's so cocky and he just like talks so much shit. But the thing is, dude is so good what can you say? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you, you just, you just can't really say anything. Even if you don't like it, you just can't say anything. You're like, you know what, whatever he's earned it. That's it. Um, whereas like there's some of these other guys who have like, you know, a, a 50 and 30 record and they're like super cocky. And it's like, dude, you've lost like 40% of your fights. What are you talking about? Like, you know, I, I, I see those as two different things, you know? But um, uh, I, I hope that I don't come across as braggy about the things that I do, because that's not like I'm, I'm not better. Like, I just believe if I step my mind to something, I can I'll figure out a way I'm going to I'm going to work hard. I'm going to think I'm going to come up with creative solutions that people haven't thought of before. I'm going to I have so many I'm I'm not just going to go beat my head against the wall in the gym. Right. And that comes to so many other things. Awesome. So we're coming up on that hour mark and I want to be respectful of your time. Um, before we end off, where can people find you, Chris? Uh, pretty easy. Uh, you're probably listening to this on some little device. And if you uh, go to the old search thing and you type in uh, Chris Duffin, like muffin, but with a D, lots of stuff will pop up. If you want to get more specific, go to chrisduffin.com. There'll be links to, or christopherduffin.com. Uh, there'll be links to Kabuki Strength. That is my main deal, K-A-B-U-K-I strength.com. Uh, but there'll also be links to uh, uh, Barefoot and Build Fast on there as well. What's cool is I have a free link, uh, a link for a free Audible download of my book and one other book if you uh, sign up uh, for an Audible account through, uh, uh, through my site, which is really cool. Other than that, there's not much there. There's just links to the sites and uh, social media. But social media, same thing. Don't overcomplicate it. You don't need to memorize any handles. Just type in Chris Duffin. I'll pop up. Uh, the Instagram, it's Mad Scientist. But uh, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Those are the three main ones I interact on. But I'll be I have a little blue check on Facebook and uh, Matt on uh, Instagram. That's the right one. Chris Duffin, like Muffin, just with a D. Awesome. So all that stuff is going to be linked up in the show notes, guys. Definitely go make sure you check it out. And if you are interested in checking out his uh, his audiobook, um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really great read. There was a lot of interesting stuff that I had no idea uh, about. Well, obviously, but uh, it was it was pretty interesting to to hear your story. So again, that's free, and it's going to be linked up in the show notes. Chris, man, thank you so much for uh, for jumping on here. It was a great chat. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs>